With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recovery Radio, where we discuss substance abuse treatment and recovery. You can listen live at blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. Please note that the views and opinions of our hosts and guests are not necessarily the views of OCG, nor is it meant to replace professional advice or the advice of your physician. And now, here's our show, Roach on Recovery, with your host, Orville Roach. Welcome, welcome to Roach on Recovery. This is your host, Orville Roach, along with my producer and co-host, as usual, pulling double duty, Chris Morales. In the house. (laughs) 646-564-9909. 646-564-9909 is the number you want to call in. If you just want to listen to the show, you can go to our website, ocgworks.org that's o-c-g-w-o-r-k-s dot org and click on the OCG Radio Live button or you can also go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio you don't have to call in on the call in line to listen to the show unless that's your only means then by all means do so so Mr. Producer how about them towels What what a shame. What a shame here in the Bay Area and LS. DeMarco Murray with a broken finger, all right? Let's hope that doesn't dash your playoff hopes. Just thought I'd uh, get that in there to start everything off. Get a little rise out of me early. Yep. All right. Let's go on to our uh, recap. Um, We we know this is not a show about uh, politics, right? Um, But there will be times when we touch on decisions or laws passed by Congress or state legislatures or even local officials. Um, The term Congress means the House of Representatives and the Senate. 
Now, this is a pet peeve of mine, so this is why I'm even mentioning it, because we, we, we talked about a, um, a, a proposed law that was presented last week by two That's right. people in Congress. So this is a little bit government 101, which they used to teach in elementary school, but now they wait until you're a junior or senior in high school before they decide to start uh, teaching you how your government works. And I learned this in fifth grade. So now they're teaching it in 11th or 12th. Don't get me started on that subject. All right? <laughs> we will not. All right. Anyway, too many times I hear Congress described as Congress and the Senate, as if the Senate is separate, separate. Yeah. from Congress. The media, Congress, persons themselves, and our schools all contribute to this. And it's a pet peeve, like I said. They're just contributing to the dumbing down of the populace. And I also did it on the air last week, and I need to correct it because it's important to me. Congress is made up of the House of Representatives and the Senate. And anyone who is is a member of either body is referred to as a member of Congress or a member of one of the two bodies they are in, not Congress and the Senate. Okay? Got it. All right. Got that off my chest. Got it. Let's do a caller recap. We had a caller who requested info on support groups for his family, um, and we were certain to remind him that uh, Roachant Recovery is available. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Serve in that world. We also told him about Al-Anon, but there's also uh, Nar-Anon and Co-Anon, Nar-Anon for narcotics um, and Co-Anon for cocaine. Addicts. Okay. Um, I'm Supposing that for narcotics they might mean opiates. Okay. Because um, I mean because cocaine is a narcotic. It is a narcotic. So <laughs> right. Uh, but they're all pretty much based on the same twelve-step um, support model. Same philosophy. Right. Another caller asks about whether or not he should or even could incorporate his religion into his recovery, and our simple answer was yes. In addition, we want to remind that there's always been this debate or uneasy existence, if you will, of religion as a singular force or contributing force in a person's recovery. There are programs that are faith-based, and there are treatment models that are grounded in faith. To me, the debate is kind of, you know, unnecessary. Sure. I think, as I touched on last week, the addict, regardless of which door is used to enter and start the recovery process, I think everyone would agree that the addict must do something in order to affect the attitudinal and behavioral changes required for recovery to take hold. Now, even if the recovery path chosen is a faith-based path, there are still common values, common philosophies among all of the paths, and the same process of committing to change that must take place and must be nurtured, practiced, and internalized. And I say this with all due respect. But there is no magic pixie religion dust we can sprinkle on anybody that then requires that you do nothing. Right. You know, to affect the change that's required. Just as there's no magic treatment dust right. you can sprinkle. Now, I'm saying all this because I've encountered people when I was in treatment and when I was a counselor um, who thought and believed that either their newfound or introduction to faith would be all they would need to address the root causes of their addiction. And unfortunately, and people may argue against, but in my opinion, unfortunately, that is not the case. Now, I'm aware that there is a strong statement or position, and we welcome your calls on it if you want to comment or talk about it, 
Or you can message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash OCG radio or tweet us at OCG work CA. See how fast I got that in there? That was quick. Um, and use the hashtag faith and recovery, by the way. There you go. <laughs> um, but if you want to talk about it, call us. Um, so that's it on the happy recap, which I've, uh, that term I've stolen from Bob Murphy, who used to announce for the New York Mets, and I'm sticking with it. And there you have it. Wow. Yes. Let's go. That's, Let's that, go. That's our uh, uh, intro to our segment, Fourth and Morales. A little play on words there. Um, have at it, sir. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, I'd like to touch on that soundbite uh, and just how crucial dropping that soundbite is when we do have a hot topic debate. Because for any red-blooded American out there who loves the sport of football, you're already pumped up right now. If you're listening to us right now, your adrenaline is going a little bit, and you're ready for whatever is to come. And I can tell you my wife, who is not a football fan, but because she is married to one, also knows that sound. So she's listening. And it's rolling her eyes right now. <laughs> she knows what it's all about. But, uh, yeah, we figured that that would be the perfect soundbite for this segment when we're going to discuss hot topics to get things uh, fired up, ready to go. Yep. So today, the hot topic item, I believe this is the first time we've done this segment on mm, the show. It is. So we're starting off with a bang. The hot topic item for today is the legalization of marijuana. And so that is something that the host and I are going to discuss. And again... Oh, okay. Wait, 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 <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Before we even get into it. Okay, okay. This is kind of a... You just, you just sprung this on me now. You just sprung it on me. <laughs> so before, before, big one. before we even start talking about it, I need to know whether or not by virtue of my place of birth, <laughs> whether or not I get a a conversational uh, <laughs> exemption, uh, so that anything I say can or will not be held, held against, against you me when you go back when home I, to visit. When I go back home to visit, <laughs> no, uh, absolutely not. Exemption denied. <laughs> exemption denied. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I don't, would you care to share with the listeners you, where you, where you, it is you're from? You can share. You can share. The host happens to be from the beautiful island of Jamaica, uh, and therefore his comments about not wanting to be held accountable for what he has said when he goes back to visit his home. There may be a couple of Jamaicans or more who might partake in, we'll say, the medicinal use of marijuana. Definitely not abusing it out there. We'll, we'll leave it at that. But we are going to discuss that today. I'm excited to discuss it because it is a big issue, uh, and especially for those of us in the field of recovery. Mm -hmm. The legalization of marijuana is a huge issue. And so we figured there would be no better way to start off this segment, first time on our show, than with a topic like this. So your thoughts, Mr. Roach? Well, we know... There's been a movement um, at the state level in various states, California being one of the first to allow medicinal marijuana 
And then recently there has been a movement among certain states to now legalize marijuana in certain quantities for recreational use. Okay. Um, I've been asked this question publicly, and I'm going to give my same public answer. I'm ready for it. I, I don't think there's any argument. Well, I shouldn't say because there is there, there is argument made on the other side about whether or not there is medicinal benefit. But coming from where I come from, and you know, all jokes aside, there there it's well established on at least one side that there is medicinal benefits for marijuana for people who are suffering with various forms of cancer, um, people who are suffering with various illnesses that impact their um, uh, their, des- their desire to eat. Um, so it ha- helps them regain an appetite. And I, I know where I'm from in Jamaica, you know, forget not not so much people smoking it, but they do, They you know, they, they drink it as a tea, you know, for medicinal purposes. Etc. I've always stated that, um, and and this applies across the board because you know we've taken. I mean, we we've seen almost everything in terms of what people will use to get high. Yes. I mean, I I used to accuse some of the uh, the kids when they would go to the store and and buy Robitussin <laughs> and and drink that to get high. So like, what kind of addict are you really? You got a choice between drinking some beer and smoking some weed and you're going to go to and steal some Robitussin? <laughs> well, and I've always been, uh, I've always thought that sometimes I believe that a kid does not know the difference between being high and being sick. And they could think just because they don't feel well and they're throwing up and they feel a little dizzy that somehow they're high yeah. <laughs> when instead they're just ill. So. Yeah. So with the states, the states are making two statements in this. One they're you know the the people are saying that the war on drugs in the manner that it's has been fought over the last thirty or forty years is ridiculous, okay it's ridiculous okay, okay. Uh, the fact that they're still calling it a war on drugs is ridiculous in and of itself, sure, okay um, so the states have made a statement, the, the ones that have passed laws allowing medicinal marijuana, and, and of course, people have taken advantage of that. Right. Because I think the legitimate ultimate aim was to allow, quote unquote, my hands are up in quotes, real doctors to prescribe it to patients who, where they have, where there has been a studied, empirically researched, evidence-based use that, hey, this drug, as in any particular drug, whether it be considered legal or illegal, has this medicinal benefit that can benefit this particular patient. Right. Okay. So in the states that have passed it for medicinal use, the doctors can now say, hey, you know what? You're suffering from this particular cancer. You have no appetite and the pain that you're suffering, this may help you. Okay. Okay. The states are also saying that, you know what, we really don't want to be spending our law enforcement resources on arresting people for smoking a joint in their house or or what have you, or, you know, smoking a joint on the street, which I think is inappropriate, but that's a whole other conversation. 
Okay. Sure. Which we might get into also. Okay. <laughs> you never know. Okay. But um they they're saying they don't want to spend their resources on that. They don't want law enforcement to be focused on that. They want law enforcement to be focused on other things. That's what states are saying. Okay. We as or at least me in the in the treatment field, it's really irrelevant to me whether or not it's legal or or, or not. Because if it's being abused we're still going to treat you. Yeah, of course. Okay. If you come to our door and says, look, you know what? I've been uh, abusing allergy medication or I've been abusing my uh, eye drops. I don't care what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of course. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, anything can be abused, legal or illegal. And, and that's the key word right there is abused, whether or not it's being abused or used appropriately. And and what has happened is, especially, I can only speak for California, because that's where I live right now, is, for lack of a better term, these, once the, the, you know, the medicinal law passed, the mills popped up. You know what I mean? So an industry kind of popped up. Yeah. And then you had, you know, so you, you would go there and then there'd be a, my hands are in quotes again, folks, a doctor. And so if you were suffering from Back pain. Back pain, or <laughs> you were just playing ball and you twisted your ankle, um, and a uh, good old Advil wasn't going to do it for you, or a good old Tylenol wasn't going to do it for you, you went down to the uh, 420 spot. Yeah. I just came up with that name, by the way. Oh, that's a great name. And uh, Dr. Feelgood wrote <laughs> the prescription for you. What's wrong with you? Oh, my left. Uh, fingernail hurts. Okay, all right. Yeah, this should, ta- this should take care of it. And then you'd go, you'd be allowed entry, I guess, into the Emporium. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Where, where they had all of their uh, their wares to sell and for you to choose from. Your selection. So they, they've, they, you know, those who would have, have taken advantage of it. And it's kind of put a stain on those people who really could were actually well, the law was passed for the benefit from AIDS patients, cancer patients, um, glaucoma, glaucoma, the yeah. eye condition, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and you know, there's also been another argument that you know rather than having people, um, you know, there's a pill now that's available that people um, can take, but then again, you know. Different people respond differently to different medication in different forms. Um, so, you know, the strong argument for those who are really against the legalization of marijuana and for any reason, whether it's medicinal or recreational, that um, people don't have to be smoking joints. They're, it's now available in a pharmaceutical form. And then you get the other – so once that's mentioned, then you get the other argument coming in, well, you know, well, why should it only be restricted to the pharmaceutical companies being able to uh, provide this, you know? And then, you know, and to me, that's a legitimate argument, you yeah. know? It's something that grows – people can grow in their backyards and whatnot. So there's all kinds of conspiratorial government finagling and yeah. uh, distrust mistrust and, and, and whatnot that's involved in this whole process. So regardless of where a person may stand, just as a citizen, yeah, 
the movement's happening. Right. You know, it's it's a every election cycle, it's appearing on state ballots. Some are winning, some are you know, some are passing, some are being defeated. Um, but it's it's the, only a matter of time. Yeah, the fact that it's it's appearing on more and more yeah. state ballots, it's going to be a matter of time. It's only a matter of time, exactly, exactly. And money, obviously, on some level, is going to play a huge role in how quickly that matter of time takes place. If the states that have already moved forward with that uh, are starting to reap the benefits, so to speak, I always thought that was such a sinister. You know, point of view, point reason on their part to you know, well, let's see if we can legalize you know legalize a certain amount of it so that we can reap some uh, you know some tax benefits. Yeah, from it. To me, they're not going to get that much, to be honest. Okay. You know, unlike tobacco, which to you know was like it's like a homegrown you know it's 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 like American made you know what I mean. And they got a hold of it way back when, you know what I mean? Same thing with alcohol. You know, they got a hold of it way back when where they right. can regulate it, tax it, et cetera. Syntax. Exactly. You know, marijuana doesn't just grow in the good old U.S. of A. Yeah, you know, it, true. It, it grows in... Jamaica? Yeah, why you always mention why you, why that's gotta be the first one you mention? I just popped into my mind. I can't tell exactly why that is. Your home your home country is closer. <laughs> that's, that's true. It, it's not known for its quality so much as its quantity, though. True, true that, true that. We get a bad rap down okay. south. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so, okay. So then I'm gonna I'm gonna drop I'm gonna drop the million dollar question on you. I've got a question that's been on my mind. Suited exactly for the host today. When talking about the legalization of marijuana, hmm, and this is kind of, I'm wondering how to phrase this exactly. We'll say, can you still consider yourself to be clean and sober or in, you know, in recovery if you are somebody who uses marijuana medicinally, doesn't abuse it, uses it to the doctor's orders? medicinally uh with without abuse can you still be considered clean and sober let's say that you used to abuse marijuana let's say that you used to use it to get high you've since gotten clean and sober then you've got some sort of condition that requires marijuana or that marijuana can be used to treat medicinally are you still clean and sober if you're using marijuana as a medicinal drug down goes Fraser! Down goes Fraser! Down goes Fraser! Yeah, you have to drop that one on me, huh? <laughs> that's that's the one that's been on my mind lately. Okay. When I was at Swan Lake as a, as a counselor working for Daytop, um, this issue came up not specifically in terms of naming marijuana, but just about medication period and I always counsel to people that at a certain point regardless of what drugs you may have abused previously at a certain point you must get to a point in your recovery where if there comes a time where you need medication and the medication might be a medication that could be abused that you have to be responsible if, and especially if you need it. I mean, there's just no other options available to you and you need it. 
you must be able to use medication responsibly. Sure. As prescribed, regardless what it is. So, I did have a person contact me who was in recovery and has a condition that they have tried everything, everything, under the sun, everything imaginable. Okay. To address the pain and the discomfort that they were feeling. Sure. And what they wanted to know from me was, this is an option that's available to me, and I've been told by others who are suffering from the same thing that it has given them relief. But my concern is is that if I use that, that I have, I'll use their term, I have broken my sobriety. Relapsed. I've relapsed. Right. Okay. So I, in answering the question, I had to put on two hats separately, of course. I had to put on my clinical hat and then my human hat. So my clinical hat was first. And my response to this person was, uh, and there's a reason why I'm not naming the gender because I don't want to, you know. Sure. My response to the person was, is this going to provide you with relief? Yes. Do you have an idea of the amount that's going to require to provide you with that relief that you're seeking? Yes. Then, in my opinion... I would advise you to do it. Now, in terms of whether or not that's a relapse, no, I don't consider that a really relapse, unless, because you you will you will find out what the amount is you need to get you to a livable point. Status quo. Okay. And if you stay there, then you're being responsible with the utilization of the medication. Forget what the name of it is. Because that's just a psychological thing, a uh, connotation. Uh, uh, exactly. It could be named anything. Right. Okay. So, and if you stay within that and, and use it responsibly, then no, you haven't relapsed. Okay. However, if you find yourself knowing that, and I'm just going to use these terms. I don't know if this was the format, I mean, the 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 method that it was being used in. But let's say if you find out that if I smoke one joint a day, it provides the relief that I'm seeking. But you decide to smoke two or three, okay? Then you have to honestly ask yourself the question, why am I doing that? When one one is sufficient to obtain what I'm seeking, which is relief of the pain or the discomfort. Right. Okay? So if you find yourself doing that, smoking more than you need, taking more than you need, then you have crossed over the line. Okay. And, that's, and that's a problem. Okay, so that's my clinical hat. Sure. Now, my human hat. And my human hat developed as a result of what I went through with my friend Joe. Okay. Okay. Who had, you know, some health issues, which weren't, the, just in case anyone's wondering, weren't the cause of his pa- passing, but he struggled with health issues for since 2003. Right. Right. The ulnar nerve Quite in, time, in his yeah. elbow, which yep. was crazy. Like, how did that happen? Um, but if anyone knows anything about the ulnar nerve in your elbow, if that gets damaged, I mean, the pain is unbelievable. 
and it's nerve pain. Anyone who suffers from nerve pain knows. I mean, you can try a million different types of painkillers, and nothing takes it away. Yeah, that's the worst. Okay, it's the type it's of like, pain that'll wake you up from a dead sleep. Yeah, it's a burning sensation. Okay, I've you already know I've had back surgeries and pinched nerves, and so I mean, there's just nothing that helps you with it. Right. Okay, but my friend came to me with a significant dilemma. Okay, on the initial coming, okay, he came to me twice. He wanted to. They said the doctors. They said they've tried everything, and I want to. We were, were recommending methadone as the final option, and I said to him, "No, you don't want to do that. Right? You don't want to do that." Okay. I then had to go back and revise that opinion because the answer was coming from a frame of reference which, to me, wasn't compassionate. It wasn't appropriate, okay? I went back to him and I said, you know, if you and your doctor can find a dose that can alleviate what you're experiencing and can bring back some quality of life to you, then I think you should do it. And that would have been, and that was my same advice to the other person on the human side. Is that if it would if it will bring back some quality of life, and you and your doctor, legitimate doctor, of course, not the doctor in the back of the 420 spot, can find a a dose that will get you to a point where your quality of life has improved. To me, that's fine. Just from human to human. Because people struggle with different issues that, you know, pharmaceuticals haven't caught up with yet. Or the pharmaceuticals take you from quality of life to almost comatose, you know. Right. It's too too much, too much, too strong, you know what I mean? So, sure. Um, that, that's a great question. That's, that's, a, that's a great question. Now, in the treatment facility... Because this is now coming to four, okay, in the treatment facility. That's another reason it was on my mind. Okay. Uh, yeah, we've experienced people coming in that uh, are on medicinal marijuana and uh, wanting to know if uh, they can continue their medicinal marijuana. And my answer is you will not be smoking marijuana in here, my <laughs> they, friend. They want to know if they can be, uh, take bong hits in their uh, bedroom at night off the floors. Or in between groups. Then that will not be happening. I'm sorry. Um, you will, you, if, if, if there, ha, if you have proof, legitimate proof, uh, medical proof that you are taking, because we're in California, it's legal in California medicinally. Right. People listening. And so we legally, <clears throat> I mean, we had to, uh, create and adopt a policy that did not violate anyone's rights, um, that have been established by law in the state. And, what we require is that if someone is on medicinal marijuana, that they have to, and if they're smoking it in joint form, they have to uh, convert over to the pill form. And, of course, with anything, it's not just medicinal marijuana, but any drugs, whether it be psychotropic or painkillers or whatever, that someone might be on while they're in the treatment environment, if they're, if we see that they're on a dose of that, you know, creates an affect that looks like they're under the influence, then, of course, we have a problem with that. Right. But 
like we said, marijuana is the, the you know the, the the medicinal legalization for medicinal purposes is in front of legalization for recreational purposes. So that's coming quicker yeah. among, among the states. Yeah. Um, even though I think the other two states did it backwards. Colorado and Denver? Washington. Yeah, you're Denver, yeah, Colorado. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, we have to, we should double check that whether or not they have medicinal already and then passed the recreational, um, because no one was really talking about their medicinal aspect. They was just talking about the legalization of the recreational use um, in certain quantities. That'd be interesting to find out. I, I want to say I I read something in it was either like Denver newspaper or something on the news about Denver and Colorado that uh, speaking to what you're speaking to exactly right now. That it might have been. You mean back. Colorado, Washington? Denver is in Colorado. Right. No, that's what I mean. Oh, yeah, okay. Denver, Denver, Colorado. Oh, okay. That it was either a local paper in Denver, or I was watching some sort of news, something out of Denver, um, that did it backwards. I think, like you're saying, where the recreational aspect was approved first. I don't know exactly whether or not that's true. I'm. It's kind of vague. I'm trying to remember exactly where I read that or where I saw that, but I do remember. Um, yeah, something out of Denver speaking to that effect. And and that would seem odd considering that, I mean, even look at the legislation we talked about last week where even at the federal level, at least within the VA, they're looking at allowing the doctors to prescribe it to the to the soldiers, right. um, et cetera, for various, you know, things that have been shown and studied empirically and proven that it may provide them some relief. Right. But, it's a big but, um, as with anything, as with anything, okay, mm-hmm. um, there's always that chance for abuse. Oh, of course. There's always that chance for abuse. And so, whether it's legal or illegal, to me, ultimately, ultimately, doesn't matter in terms of a treatment perspective, Okay. Yeah, because people abuse both licit and illicit drugs. Okay, there's there's more people abusing prescription medication in the U.S. of A. than illegal drugs, and that's been the case for a long time. Hmm. So, and and we're seeing that even within you know our our pro- local programs that the people are coming in that are. You know, it's not, just, it's not just, you know, heroin or it's, you know, cocaine or it's, you know, marijuana. It's, you know, yeah, I've been on the, uh, you know, name some of the, I mean, some of them are crazy. There's ecstasy out there and the mollies. Oh, yeah, you know? sure. <laughs> sure, yeah, ecstasy. And then the other prescribed uh, medication, Noxicon, et cetera. Right. But you know what's, al- what's been alarming to me is that the quantity with which people are taking yeah, you mean? They're, they're taking them. Yeah. It's just mind-blowing. Yeah. When they're okay. abusing them, you yes. mean? Yes. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes. It, it is. It's crazy. I hear people say that they have taken amounts that you, in your right mind, would assume would just kill somebody. Yeah. And that it, that their body has either built up a tolerance because of the abuse over the years, or, you know, I don't know what the case is, but I've heard of people taking a heck of a lot at one time in one sitting, and that was the norm when they were using. Right. Now, let me tell you who I am very, very disappointed with. Let's hear it. 
we had this conversation back when I was 18. So that would have been 19. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you going to date yourself here? <laughs> back in 1940? <laughs> I am very disappointed in, wait for it, I am very disappointed in the drug dealers. <laughs> okay. Because it has always been my contention that drugs that are illegal in the United States of America will never be legalized because there will be no stronger lobby than that of the drug dealers. Hmm. Because nothing will cut into their profits than the legalization of drugs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be it. So I am so disappointed that they have not formed a union <laughs> and or and hired one of the most expensive K Street lobbying firms in Washington or up in Sacramento or whatever state capital in, in one of the 50 states in the uh, Hawaiian uh, islands over there on the okay. miles away in the Pacific sure. to ensure that their uh, profits are safe. From the Walmarts and Targets and Kmarts of the world. <laughs> yeah. I am well, very disappointed in that. That might, that might be coming. That might be coming. I you am might surprised have to wait that they bit. have not funded counter ballot initiatives to keep it illegal. To keep it illegal. <laughs> you would think that that would be the thinking. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And this is what we used to talk about when we were younger, ironically, while we were using and talking about whether or not drugs would ever become legal, and we would say, of course not. The drug dealers would rise up. The cartels would rise up and funnel money to the to the politicians to make sure they would never, ever vote for something like that because it would no just... No one would get in their pockets. They would just, you know, ruin their business. Yeah. It hasn't happened. Are you calling for it to happen here on the air right now? Is that what's going on? No, I'm just saying I'm disappointed <laughs> in them. I'm just disappointed. I thought they had more. I thought they had more uh, organizing. I thought they were more politically uh, adept at reading the tea leaves and 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 seeing what's coming down the pike and organizing and lobbying and so on and so forth. They certainly got the money. That's for sure. They certainly got the money. So, but whether whether or not, you know, ultimately it worked its way. To you know, across across the country to all fifty states, I think treatment programs ultimately will take the same position, which is you know, it makes no difference whether in terms of treating people, whether it's illegal or illegal. You know, if they end up abusing it, we're going to treat them, right? Um, As they would do with anyone coming in on any kind yeah. of medication. It, it then goes back to where. Um, and and they they debate this in terms of addiction. You know, it went through different cycles. Where you know, was, was it a moral issue? Is it a disease? Is it strictly a behavioral problem? This debate rages back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But if it gets legalized, okay, then just like with alcohol, which is legal, it's regulated limited by age restrictions, et cetera. Um, where you can drink is regulated. Until what time until, it's sold. Until what time it's sold. Um, what you can be doing. Yeah, operating a vehicle exactly. or whatever. 
all, all of that is regulated, um, but it's still a moral conversation. Right. Okay. Same thing is going to occur with marijuana. You know, if it ends up sweeping the nation and become rec- for recreational use and you know, up to a gram or whatever it is, um, it's still ultimately going to be a moral conversation after that. Sure. So. Sure. Yeah. Wow. That's an interesting topic. Uh, it's a very interesting topic, and I think a good point, like you said, or a good comparison to make is that to alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, with it, yeah, being legal, and obviously it's recreational. Um, and so I guess the thing will be for our generation to make the disconnect somehow that, uh, you know, the connotation that marijuana has to being, you know, you can't use it medicinally or whatever if you're in recovery because that's just never how we've perceived it to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're so used to seeing it in a certain light Mm -hmm. that, um, yeah, a lot of people are just going to have to break that association that they've made, uh, which should be difficult for people. It could be challenging. Well, it's the individual. See, if someone, if someone comes up to us and asks us, well, if someone goes through treatment and is in recovery and, you know, and then they decide, because the question comes up about drinking, you know what I mean? Right. And I always ask them, so listen, are you, were you an alcoholic? Yes. Well, that, then the answer is simple. Okay. Don't ask me whether or not you can drink after you, you leave treatment and you're in recovery, if you can drink, if you're an alcoholic. Right. However, if alcohol was never an issue for you, you, you never, let's say you never drank, you know, you just, you did dope, you know, you, you know, you shot heroin, but you, you didn't drink at all. So the, it becomes a individual and a personal decision. Right. But you're sure not going to, you're not going to be able to say whatever that decision is, you're not going to be able to say that I'm, I'm making that decision in a vacuum. Meaning, you know, devoid of any information. Right. I know where this can possibly take me if I'm not responsible. If I do choose to drink socially or being a vent drinker, you know, an event drinker is Mr. Producer. Yes. Okay. Want to tell our audience just in case someone doesn't know what I mean by vent drinking? Oh, uh, like for example, the toast at your friend's wedding, or exactly, or a New Year. Sure. Thing. Okay, but that other than that, you, you don't you, drink. You don't drink. Right. Um. <clears throat> So ultimately, you have to, with, with information, make a responsible choice and then be accountable, okay? But certainly, don't put it on me or someone else to make the decision when, for you. Right. When you ask the question, hey, like that, you know, we had a young man who was, uh, who I, I don't know if he was or he wasn't, but he said he was a Rastafarian. Yes, and yes, he, yes. And he, and he wanted to talk to me about <laughs> about the legalization of marijuana. No, about <laughs> adhering to his faith, which requires him to, or allows him to indulge in marijuana smoking, and would that present a problem? <laughs> Absolutely not. So turn on your Bob Marley and do what you do. I had to tell the young man that. Uh, and you smoked marijuana when you were out there, right? Before you became a Rossifarian? Yes, I did. Okay. I said, um, nice try. <laughs> nice try, but that's not going to work. All right. That's not going to work. And it's also not going to work for those who are recovering just because if marijuana becomes legal and they think. Because you know oh, what that's going to fall on? Yeah, hey, it's legal yeah. now. You know what that's going to fall on the definition of? How we, we say, we, there's two terms we use, holding on to a corner of the bag 
Just like you said, hey, it's legal now, so I can, you know, uh-huh. indulge or negative reservations. Yeah. You know? So finding reasons or excuses to do things that you know you shouldn't do, but you but because you can, and you want to put your thing, your foot up to that line, knowing that hey, this can send me, you know, in a bad direction here. You know what I'm saying? So if you smoke weed to get high. You shouldn't be smoking weed, period. Period. Legal or not legal. Right. That's a great, no, that's a great point. You bring up some great points. Absolutely. Are we ready for our first break, sir? I think we are. I think we've uh, had a pretty good discussion here going. We will take. And and you forced me to talk under, without, under the cloud of exemption. No, no, no. There's... (laughs) I have no I, amnesty I, I here. I had no legal protections for my home country while I was speaking. In fact, during our music break, I'm going to call back to your home country call, and call uh, the consulate. <laughs> send them, send them some of these sound clips. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're going to take a music break. If for those of you who are on hold, please continue to hold. We will get through to you on the other side. We are going to take a short break, and we look forward to talking to you soon.
The Children's Health Council in Palo Alto has been serving children, youth, and teens in San Mateo and Santa Clara counties, as well as the greater San Francisco Bay Area, for over 60 years. The goal of the agency is to remove barriers to learning, regardless of language, location, learning style, or ability to pay. At CHC, we specialize in ADHD, learning differences, anxiety and depression, and autism through our center, two schools, and community clinic. No matter how big or small the issue is, just call us, and we'll help you navigate your child's journey together. Visit our website at www.chconline.org or call us at area code 650-688-3625. Again, that's area code 650-688-3625. At CHC, we're here for you. And CHC, estamos aquí para usted. Welcome back to Rochon Recovery. 646-564-9909 is the number. We just finished wrapping up our hot topic, legalization of marijuana. We could uh, probably go on. Uh, yeah, but I think more important what we're going to do is uh, uh, the producer is going to place a call to the Jamaican consulate, make sure that uh, I still have my travel privileges, my travel <laughs> rights, my birth rights. Uh, uh, all the things that come with being born there after this conversation. They're all in question. They're, they're, they're now all in, uh, in flux. <laughs> all right. Okay. I admit it. I'm an addict. Now what? What happens next? Well, get some help. All right. That wraps up that segment. <laughs> <laughs> Wraps up the show topic, not the hot topic, the show topic for the day. So that's usually the hardest part, getting someone who everyone else knows that they are, they got a problem, they're an addict, to admit it. So they, they now come to that conclusion. They admit they're an addict. What happens next? Well, I tell you, depending on where you are, what time of the year it is, okay, a lot depends on what happens next. One of the things we like to do is make sure when, when somebody is, you know, are they ready? Let's first find that out. Are you, you can say, I'm an addict. I know I'm an addict, but not be ready. You know what? You're still out there. You still, you, you still want to conduct some more research. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I've, I like that. I've heard that thrown around here sometimes. Yeah. You need to do a little more research. Or or, or I'd like to do some more research. <laughs> right. I, I know I'm an addict, but I'm I'm not ready yet. Right. And so if that's the case, nothing we can do. Nothing you can do, family members, auntie, grandma, grandpa, uncles, sisters, brothers. There's nothing you can do until the person says, okay, I'm ready, even if they know that they are an addict. However, if they, have it, if they know they are and they say, you know what, I'm ready to get some help, that's when things got to go into hustle mode because you want to catch that person right at that point of urgency. You want to get them when they're ready because if days and weeks and months go by, okay, they get an opportunity to start thinking, rationalizing. I'm not that bad, am I? 
Right. You know, we call that the stinking thinking, right? <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden, you know, the urgency starts to slip away. This is what I meant by I said that it depends on where you are in the time of the year because it ain't like back in the day. Well, well obviously it's not like back in the day because back in the day the waiting lists were very, very, very long. Where I'm, where I'm from back in New York, when I, when I think we said last week or in one of our shows, there was 2,000 people on the waiting list. So even Ooh. if you were ready – and you gotta, you know, you know, you might have to wait six months to get a bed. You might have okay? to fight through some of that thinking. So you gotta fight, you gotta fight through it until that phone call comes and say, "Hey, we need you here tomorrow at nine o'clock, bright and early, because your bed's available." And the hope is that the person, people, survive that. Okay. You're talking literally, L- literally and figuratively. Okay. And back then, it was more literally because right, people were literally dying waiting to get into treatment. But here we are in, I was going to say sunny California, but it is raining. We, we, can't, we, we, we can't complain about we it. We can't. We need the rain. But okay, here we are in California, and it's not as easy to get into treatment here. Okay? There aren't, there aren't an abundance of beds and slots. Right. And so timing is everything. To me, it's like hitting. If 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 your life has been in an uproar for 15 years and you're now ready to get it, because you know because of uh, abusing drugs, and you're now ready to turn that around, you're ready to do something about it, and you get an opportunity to go into a treatment program to do something about it, that's like hitting the lottery. I mean, you have hit the lottery. Yeah. Now, how are you going to spend that money? In quotations, okay. Using that analogy, you've hit the lottery. I'm getting going into treatment and. It matters not what that treatment modality is. What is a treatment modality? Modalities are residential, outpatient, day treatment. And so if someone is functional, they're a functional addict, they're gainfully employed, we might want to try them out in an outpatient setting first, something after work, on days off, etc. Seven days a week if need be. Yeah, and see if that works. But if they're not in that position, they're not employed, and they're just in a, what we what we describe as a full blown addiction. Okay, then obviously that person needs a residential setting. And if they're fortunate enough to, and in California, most of the people come out of the criminal justice system directly into a residential setting. But there is a wait list. So you can so you can imagine the jostling and things that goes on, you know, if you're sitting in jail and you know you're you know you've been sentenced and modified to treatment and now it's about, you know, am I going to get in there? And so it really, when the time comes with an interview, they're really looking to see if you're really serious about it because there's another person waiting right behind you to take that very valuable slot. Now. Some options that are available to people are dependent on their circumstances. For example, women are way underrepresented in treatment because of certain factors. Sure. More often than not, women, if they have children, they have the children. Right. Okay. So that's a barrier for them to enter treatment. Who's going to take care of my kids? Right. Is there a family member that can? Okay. Women also have more means of staying out there longer. Right. I don't have to get into detail on that. 
course. Okay. And so they're underrepresented in treatment as a result. And that's a shame. Um, and, and there are programs, especially where we're located, that are, you know, women-only programs, women and children programs, uh, yeah. programs. But there are not a lot of them. There aren't that many beds, especially the women and children. Okay. And so if you're able, if you find yourself fortunate enough to get a bed or get a slot at one of these programs, that's your lottery ticket. And that's your that's your moment in time to take advantage and use it to the best that you can to turn your life around. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you and you do, especially like you said, here in, in the state of California, you do want to take advantage of that because that may be the only chance you get. You don't know. Uh and that and that might be the only chance let's say you ruin your first chance it may be that you're on a waiting list or you can't get into another bed somewhere. Your situation has changed where you're running out of people who are willing to fund you. And when I say people, I mean government entities. Right. Uh, it could also be your last chance because, like everybody knows, in the world of recovery and addiction, your your last run might really be your last. Yes. So. And And we've experienced that. We have and and, 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 and and use that to let those that are that are in recovery know that this this is literally life and death. It is literally life and death. Quite literally. So when when if you or if you if you come across a loved one or if you're listening and you are someone who is struggling with addiction and you've reached that point that you know what, okay, I admit it. I'm an addict. The the now what is Am I ready to get help? And are those that are around you ready to and and have the information they need to assist you with getting that help? Because oftentimes the person that's in 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 the in their addiction is not able. They need others around them. So hopefully the family's able, the families around them, the families can help them get you know get and find, locate, make the calls. And so on and so forth. And the only thing we ask from you, the addict, is only one thing we ask from you, is when that call comes, you be ready to go. Yeah. Your bags are packed and you're ready to rock and roll. You're ready to take care of business. That's all that we ask from you. That's all your family asks from you. That's all your loved ones. Anyone who cares about you wants to see you, you know, lick this thing. That's all they want from you, that you're ready to go. Everything else will be taken care of. Exactly. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I completely agree. I would like to let you know that it looks like, uh, as I was screening some of the people calling in, a good friend of yours has called from out of state. Mm-hmm. Said he might like to surprise you. Might like to patch him through and uh, surprise you a little bit. So maybe you mm-hmm. want to let him on. Maybe he's got something to say about either the hot topic or the show topic we just got into. Maybe he just wants to bust your chops a little bit. Well, let's see who it is. He's calling from... Uh... Almost uh, 4,000 miles away. Let's bring uh, Mr. Horace on. Horace, you're on. Welcome, sir. How you doing, Orville? I'm doing very well. How are you? Fine, very well. I love this topic. You know that. Yes, yes. You couldn't have picked a better topic. And I love and I love your dialogue too. You are right on point. You know, especially with the last one that you said. 
Dangerously close to Jamaica, and yeah, might, yeah, only and about, might be uh, passing word along. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it quiet, Horace. Keep it quiet. <laughs> All it's got to do is go through Cuba, and then next next door is Jamaica. That's it. You so, want to you want to save some of the topic for next week so we can get to some of these callers? Sure. Yeah, we're we're um we went long on the uh, on the marijuana thing. The hot, we had we had a. We, the hot topic the hot debate. Topic, uh, <laughs> that that one is uh, that's something. So and it's going to come back up. Oh yes, it's come back up. It will. Yeah, this won't be the last of it. So what we're going to do then is we will take a quick break, and then on the other side we're going to get into our recovery support time. We do have some callers on hold. We see you guys, so please remain patient, and we will get to you on the other side.
Roach on Recovery is a program of OCG Radio. It deals with many topics related to substance abuse, substance abuse treatment and recovery. Our Recovery Support Time is a show segment where you can receive support from our host for any questions or issues you wish to present related to substance abuse, substance abuse treatment or recovery. You can reach our host live by calling 646-564-9909. That's 646-564-9909. Or you can send your questions via email at any time to ocgworkca at gmail.com. That's ocgworkca at gmail.com. And our host will respond to your questions on the air. Roach on Recovery. Recovery Support Time. A time for us to help you. Okay, welcome back to Roach on Recovery. It's recovery support time, time where you can call in and get some general guidance and direction on issues of recovery. Also, family members and those who are supporting those people in recovery can call in to get some support, direction, and guidance. 646-564-9909 is the number. 646-564-9909 is the number. Let's go right to Brian in Redwood City. Brian, welcome to Roach on Recovery. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Hi, I'm calling tonight. Um, I guess uh, I'm working on my fourth step here, and um, I'm noticing that a lot of my my negative, uh, I guess, uh, lifestyle patterns come from uh, growing up at home. So you're 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 saying you didn't have good role models at home? Absolutely. Okay. And you said you were working on your fourth step? Uh, yes, I am. Okay, so the fourth step is made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. So you took an honest look at yourself. Right, absolutely. Oh, you're working on that step is what you're saying. Um, yes, yes, I'm, um, I'm working on it. And right now I'm, uh, I'm going through, uh, my sponsor told me to take a look at um, working on um, like a diagram of my mother, like, how it's going from like one column has the cause, the next was it affects my, and then the third column was uh, reasons why I'm angry. Right. Right. And well, uh, so I came up came up with some good things, and okay, it, I'm good. feeling uh, much more at ease as I'm working on my my fourth step here. Okay. Well, I want to tell you that taking a look at oneself honestly, fearlessly is the hardest thing for any human being to do. So, but it's a necessary thing to do when you're in recovery. So I want you to uh, make sure you keep us posted as you progress through that. Because okay. whether you're doing 12-step or, or anything, that is a requirement of recovery, that you take an honest inventory of yourself. You have to find out, what what are my character flaws? What are the things... That where um where I need to, where I need to work on to improve myself, and you can only do that by doing what you you're doing. So I applaud you on that. Thank you. So make sure we hear back from you, okay, sir? Okay, excellent. All right, Brian. Thanks for calling. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye bye.
that's usually uh, when we we don't we don't use it. I mean, we do the twelve step things in in our programs, but when we tell people about you know you got to look in the mirror and Jeez. take a honest hard <laughs> look because obviously you get you're getting the external people t- people have no people have no problem, problem telling, telling you what's you, wrong with you of telling course you what's wrong with you but, <laughs> but you have to do it right you have to do it well and, and you could probably hear it come from a million people but having to look yourself in the mirror and and let yourself and, and have it exactly oh man yeah that's no easy task come to that conclusion yourself that yeah it takes a lot okay uh Let's go to Clarence, calling from Daly City. Clarence, welcome. Uh, hi, how are you doing? Thank you for having hi. me on the show. You're welcome. Um, yeah, my question really is, um, it's the first time uh, I've been an alcoholic for many years. It's actually the first time I'm actually in recovery. Um, and I like how, how I'm learning a lot about you know myself and, and how uh, the reasons for, for my alcoholism. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel great about it. My only concern... Well, my worry really is that once I'm, you know, I'm out there, um, how, when, am I, when am I really going to feel like normal in the sense where I've, I've, I've accepted the fact that I'm alcoholic. I accepted that. I accepted the fact that I no longer want to, you know, go down that path because of all the destructions I've, I've made and uh, I've had. But I'm also, I, um, I worry that I'm not going to feel normal anymore. I'm not going to feel like, you know, just stray away from not drinking at all. I don't want to do it uh, morally and, and, and psychologically and mentally. I really, I know how that's bad. I accepted it. But uh, for some reason or another, it's hard for me to accept the fact that, you know, I'm going to feel normal, not not uh, having to, uh, on occasion, you know, have a drink and all that, um, that I'm just going to say no to it for the rest of my life, um, which is what I accept, and I and I that's exactly what I want to do. But I, I'm just, as far as feeling normal about it, it's what worries me, you know what I mean? Because I don't want that to be a trigger for me to actually fall back onto it. So I guess my question is, how long, even after recovery, until I feel normal about that? That is a great question. I, I mean that sincerely. That is an absolute great, great question. Alcoholics are, and to, to a lesser degree, the heroin addicts, and I'll, I won't mention the meth addicts yet, but alcoholics, to me, have the most difficult road to hoe in terms of accomplishing recovery because it is so in your face. The commercials on TV, the billboard advertising. Do they still do billboard advertising? Absolutely. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Definitely. So it's like you can't escape it. Yep. You can't escape it. It's just right in front of your face all the time. And so, to me, they have the hardest time, even as you have determined, you know what, I don't want to do that anymore. I can't do that anymore. So your, 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 your worry and your concern is well-grounded. But what you're not going to do is allow that worry and that concern to dictate what you do. What you are going to do is exactly what you did today, which is you as you talked about it. Because I guarantee you, as you go about your daily life, you go, and you even described it, coming into situations you might attend, attend a, a family function or a social event, and you know exactly. alcohol is going to be available to you, on the, plopped right there on the table, and you know and offered to you, you know Clarence, you have you know can I get you anything to drink? 
and you're gonna it's gonna have to become and this is what comes with practice, second nature for you to say, Oh no, thank you. I'll just have a glass of water or no thank you, I'll have a glass of club soda. And the more you do that, as you get used to doing that over and over and over again, that will slowly start to become your second nature, your instinct. You won't even you won't even think about it. So yeah, the first few that you're out there you, you you have to be very conscious and very aware, and you're and you're you're thinking about it as you're going you're, as you're walking yourself through it. But after a while, because you're going to be out there in life, and these things are going to approach you in life, it's going to become second nature to you. Exactly. Because you've already covered the, the like you you described the commitment side of it. There's no question to you there. Mhm. Yeah. And, and I guess that's and what so, it is. Just being normal yeah. about it. You will. I am here to tell you today that you will. Okay. It will happen. It will happen. For two reasons. Number one, I can tell you want it to happen. And number two, time. And as you experience, no, thank you. I'll just have a club soda. No, thank you. I'll just have a glass of water. No, thank you. I'll just have a, you know, whatever it is. As you Mm -hmm. experience doing that, it becomes second nature to you. Okay. That will become your new normal, and you'll and and the the other will become abnormal. Yeah. Time it takes time though. How long were you an alcoholic for? A uh, good uh, ten to twelve years, I believe. Okay. All right. So, don't beat yourself up if you were an alcoholic for ten to twelve years and think it's going to flip in a year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It takes practice and time. But you're going to get there. You're going to get there. Okay. You got the right attitude. I can tell by listening to some of the things that you said. You got the right attitude. You stick as long as that attitude stays where it is and you make the right decisions when you're out there, it's going to flip. Okay. Okay? Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Keep us posted, Clarence. I sure will. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. I mean, I mean, if you're if you're a recovering alcoholic and you're watching you're watching football on Sundays, I mean, if it ain't if it ain't, if it ain't, if it ain't Coors, it's Budweiser or Miller or everywhere. You know, Pabst. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's just in your face. It's really in your face, and it's so widely, you know, socially acceptable, which, you know, it should be because there's a lot of people who can do it socially, and Mm -hmm. that's just fine. That's what it's intended for. Mm -hmm. There's also so many people out there who, when they think of a recovering addict, they tend to drift to the drugs, right? Mm -hmm. The Okay, you know, cocaine, heroin, Mm -hmm. whatever. People have an easier time understanding that there are still some people out there who don't understand when an adult can't like you can't just have one drink Mm -hmm. they just don't and it's not that they're trying to tempt somebody they just can't wrap their mind around it and so yeah it's it's definitely tough while while they're on their seventh (laughs) right 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 to uh marvin in daily city marvin welcome to road to recovery hello Hello. Hi. Um. Yes, I'm from Daly City. Yep. Yes. Um. I have a question. Um, sure. 
Yeah, I'm looking into uh, going to uh, apply for a Section 8. And um, what qualifications do they need uh, from me to be able to um, uh, qualify for their requirement for that Section 8 housing? Well, Marvin, you have uh, finally allowed me to give an answer which I've been dying to give for a long time, which is okay to give, and it's liberating to give. You ready for my answer? Yes. I do not know. <laughs> this is a show about recovery. We have no idea what the qualifications for Section 8 housing are. But I can tell you where you can go find it. Sure. Okay? Yes. Depending on whatever county you live in, in the U.S. of A, okay, you just Google that county and go to that county's website and I'm sure they have a human services department or a housing department which will explain to you what the qualifications for getting on Section 8 are. But I do not know them. Okay, sir? Yes. Okay. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. I will figure this out. Okay. Thank you, Marvin. You're welcome. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, too. Bye-bye. Thank you. The callers are starting to throw us curveballs. Huh? We, we need we need to uh, get up on our well-rounded game here. I, I think I, I I also think we need to investigate the call screening department to, to see how that one snuck snuck through there. Uh, uh, Section eight call. Section eight call made it through the cracks. Made it through the cracks. Oh man. Um, speaking, of, he mentioned Happy Holidays. I believe today is the first first day of Hanukkah. If I'm not mistaken, is it? I think so. Okay. Um, so happy Hanukkah. happy Hanukkah for those of you out there who celebrate. Yep. Uh, okay, let's go to Mr. Who is that? Mr. Eric from Redwood City. Hi. How are you? Good. Welcome to Walk Roach on Recovery. Thank you very much for having me. Happy Hanukkah. Thank I you. um. <laughs> I had a question. I'm new in recovery, and I keep hearing that it's wrong to get in a relationship in the early stages of recovery. Um, why is that? Why is that suggested? You know, one of our uh, loyal listeners said it best. When you're when you're in that, the, I call it, you know, the, those delicate stages, which includes the early stage, you need to be focused on you and okay. everything about you and your recovery. Hmm. And it's one thing if you came, you know, if you entered recovery at, with an existing relationship. You know, so the people, okay. you know, that, are, that go into recovery and they're married. Go into yeah. recovery, they've been, a, they've been in a relationship, you know, and but, you know, they're trying to get this recovery thing. That's different. Okay. So my 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 advice to you would be different in that regard. But if okay. you you know if you weren't connected to anyone in that way, it's right now all about you. Because I will I, let me flip the script just for a second, and I'll pose a question to you. Mm-hmm. If you're early in your recovery, and I and early to me, well, you tell me what what's your how long have you been in recovery? 
Um, I've been sober for about six months, but in recovery for only less than a month. So I was in I was in custody for another time. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. I got that. Yeah. So you're you're at a point where it's all about you. Mm -hmm. It's all about you. Because if anyone else comes into the picture, guess what? The focus goes off. It goes off you and on to the other person. That's just human That's nature. Right. That makes sense. What Eric wants, what Eric should do is be thinking about when you get to a stage of your recovery, the later, you know, the later stages of where you've got your, your toolbox full of the things that you need to have it full with, where, I don't know, Eric could be walking in the supermarket aisle, in the vegetable aisle of the supermarket, and run into the love of his life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I hope so. It just okay. <laughs> you know, it happens, right? And but but he's at he's at a point where he has dealt with himself and he may now have the ability to take on another. Hmm. You know what I mean? And also yeah, present to the and also present to the other a person who's now well or well on their way to being well. You know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. So well, that makes perfect sense. I just yeah, take your time. Yeah, I, I've always heard that suggestion, and I just wanted, I guess, a quantifying answer as to why. Well, they was. used but to it, be they used they used to throw out hard and fast rules, you know, in, in terms of times, and and I'm I'm not into I'm not into that. But okay, because you never know what might come around your corner when no one no one knows what the universe may present to you. Okay, but. As a general general thought, you're 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 very young in your recovery process, so it's it's selfishness right now. And by the way, selfishness is not people. I know it sounds it's always interpreted as negative, but it's not a negative thing in, in on a higher thinking level. Yeah. You're focused on you and about getting yourself right because when you present yourself to that love of your life that you're going to meet in the vegetable aisle of the supermarket, you're going to be presenting her with a different person than you are today. Correct. Well, that made, that makes sense. I appreciate you uh, answering that for me very much. But, no uh, problem, sir. Yeah, happy Hanukkah. And, uh, have a good <laughs> Thank night. you. And, right. and make sure we hear back from you. Is that relationship question again? <laughs> it's going to be one of our topics. The vegetable aisle, huh? Yeah, or, yeah, vegetable aisle. Is the vegetable aisle where you met your wife? Oh, Produce by the uh, by the spinach, perhaps. No, um, I was uh, filling the condiment stands at the TWA terminal in Kennedy <laughs> Airport. Okay, we're in a bright red apron. Oh, he couldn't miss you, bright red apron. And uh, for those of you who don't know, the host, our host, stands about six foot four. So, yes, uh, I was uh, sticking out <laughs> like a tomato. There you go. All right. And and just as a sidebar, our uniforms were actually very smart prior to that. We had navy blue pants with uh, light blue collared shirts. So, you know, working in the airport, uh, needless to say, you wanted to look your best Sure. for all the travelers. Sure. And when they came to us and said, no, we're switching it to black pants, white shirt, and we're going to top it off with these bright red aprons. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
All right. But well. uh, it did not uh, affect uh, my future wife's uh, view of me, fortunately. <laughs> fortunately. Good. But that that's a, a story that may be told because it's an uh, interesting story since you asked. Okay. Yeah. We'll wait for it. All right. All right, let's go to uh, Cheyenne from Modesto. Hello. Cheyenne? Hi, you're on Roach and Recovery. Hi, um, I have a question about guilt. If you are carrying guilt, how do you work through that if you're not comfortable with speaking to anyone about it? Well, Ultimately, you can't talk to yourself. Okay. Right? I, I mean, that. you have to purge it from yourself. You can't go through life, you know. You know, when you when you're in recovery and there's things that you have guilt about, things that you may have done, things you may have said, etc. Um, you have to find an avenue to purge yourself of that, relieve yourself of that, get it off, get that weight off your shoulders, okay? And you know, are you? And if you're in a recovery setting, um, and and you have people that are there that you can share with, you have to find someone. There's got to be someone that you can share. We like to use the term dump that, to dump that on, share that with, shift that weight over to so that you purge it from yourself. Because if you carry it, as you move through your recovery and onward and upwards through your recovery, and if you carry these feelings of guilt for whatever they are, okay, they're going to come back to haunt you. Okay. In a negative way. How do you get yourself to be comfortable enough to share it? Your guilt with someone else. Okay. When you were out there using. Yeah. Okay. There were two words you used to always say to yourself every now and then. We can't say them on the air, but you know what they are. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay, thank you. Good. I didn't have to go there. Yeah. That same attitude that came with when you said those words and then right after you said them, did whatever it is that you did, you know, like those words like amped you up and then you just said, mm, right, and then went and did what you did, right? Yep. It's the same thing, but for a positive reason. You say those same two words because when you said it out there, you didn't care about the consequence. You didn't care about what happened. You just said, you know what, boom, I'm doing it. Yep. Same exact thing applies. Only thing, what you're getting in return is totally different. Okay. Once you put it out there to the universe, i.e., another person, okay, it's not, you know, it doesn't belong to you anymore. You're letting it go. Okay. So I wouldn't spend so much time looking for the perfect person. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yes. yes, find someone that you like talking to, someone you're comfortable talking to, and let it go. Use those two words and then boom, let it go. Okay. I will have to give that a try. Yes. And then you will call us back next week and let us know how it worked. Okay, I will or, do that. Or, or let us know if, you know what, I couldn't get, I couldn't gather up the... 
courage to do it because then we're going to give you another pep talk. Okay. Either either way, we want to hear back. All right. Well, I will go ahead and give you guys a try back after I either do or don't try that. All right. Hopefully you do. All right. Okay, Cheyenne. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. How hard is it to convince another person to let it go? Let it go. And that and that letting it go is going to help them, not hurt them. Right. How hard is that? It's It can be really difficult to try and convince somebody of anything. Uh, when we have a fear about something or when we anticipate negative results and we allow that fear and that anxiety to kind of take over, it really doesn't matter if Jesus himself appears in front of you and says, give it a shot. You're still going to feel apprehension, you know? Can, so, we, can we say Moses and Satanica? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Moses, whomever, the, the Jamaican consulate, whoever, anyone in power. Uh, but, yeah, when you feel a certain way, you can be, everybody knows this, you can be your own worst enemy, kind of. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's hit up um, Carlo in Daly City. Carlo, welcome to Real Chum Recovery. Hello, welcome. Thank you for having me. So Good. my my question is, um, why is recovery at a young age so important? When when you say young, you mean young as in terms of chronological age, or young in terms of length of recovery? Um, length of recovery. So why is the early stages so important? Yes. Well, that's that's where it, yeah that. The early stages is where it all starts. That's where all the groundwork is laid. We start you start laying the bricks and the mortar and the you know, the cement. All of that mm-hmm. is laid in the early stages. Okay. Okay. And then when you move to the next stage it's about, okay, this is what I've got, this is what I've learned in the first stage and then we spend a lot of time, a decent period of time putting it into practice and seeing right. the results of it. Oh yeah, oh it does work. Hey, you know, when I talk about my feelings, I do feel better. Oh, right, you know right. what? I'm not going to pass away if I if if I feel rejected or if I feel hurt. I don't have to I don't have to go run and smoke a joint because, you know, I encountered some feelings that I didn't like or that were uncomfortable. It is going to pass. Yeah. You get to experience that. Well, okay. So the early stages are very important. <clears throat> okay. Uh, and, and, not, and, not, and not everybody survives the early stages, Carlo. Yes. Because it's very hard. That. Yes, it is. It's very hard. Very hard. <laughs> but from what I gather, you're doing it. Yes, I am. Okay. Yep. Well, let's make sure we keep hearing from you. We'll walk. We'll, we'll walk you through it step by step every week. All right. Okay, sir? All right, thank you. All right, Carlo, thank you. Thank you. I think we were asked not too long ago about, uh, you know, how important even the first 30 days are in trying to, uh, when someone gets into recovery, trying to keep them engaged for the first 30 days because oftentimes uh, people are so used to um, 
immediate gratification. They're looking to see a result, a change in themselves, or feel something immediately. And um, we have to be consistent in, in drilling it home that this is this is not a um, um, a a quick fix thing. You know, it's it's it requires patience. It requires uh, slowing slowing down and and I mean you you can't. You can't be out there using and abusing for 25 years and think in 90 days you're going to flip all of that thinking, all of that, all of the, the associated behaviors in 90 days. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So I used to ask people, you were using for 10 years? You've been in your addiction for 10 years? At least you deserve to at least give yourself at least one year to get your life back. Aren't you worth that? Yes, I am. All right, then give yourself at least one year to get your life back. Gave 12 years to your addiction. You can give yourself one year to try and get your life back on track. And I'm not saying one year has to be in a residential program. You can do three, four, five months in the residential program and then go into aftercare and outpatient, you know, and step down. It can be a continuum of care, but you stay engaged and connected for at least one year. To me, that's a good plan to increase your chances of succeeding in your recovery. That's just my opinion. That's what I've seen work. So that's all I have to go on, what I've seen work. All right, let's go to... Joseph, calling from San Francisco 49er land. Oh, my my bad. My bad, Joe. Not, they're not in San Francisco anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. How you doing, Joe? Welcome to Roach on Recovery. Man, how you doing? Just giving man? you a hard time. Just giving you a hard time. All right. You still there? You still there, Joe? Yep, I'm here. Okay. How can we help you, sir? Um, so, I'm still struggling with my family, my brother, and I'm in a tight spot right now. I don't know what I can do. I feel guilt because I got him, I got him to do um, things, and I really need help of what I want, what I'm I have to do in order to not feel like that anymore. Okay, I'm going to try and read between the lines of what you said. You said you're struggling with an issue with your brother. Yep. You got him to do things. I'm going to interpretate that to mean that in your previous life, yep. he did some dirt that you might have requested him to do, etc. And right now you're feeling... You know, you're struggling with he, dealing with that. He's uh, into it, and he's struggling with it. And I feel okay. like I'm here helping myself improve, and he's still out there not getting help. Did you did you get him into it? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Okay. So you feel guilty? Yep. And it's okay. messing me up. Are you the older, younger? Where, where are you? 
It's my adopted family, me and him. Are okay. Like, we're the same age. We're like okay. two days apart. <clears throat> okay. That's a tough one, Joe. It really is. That's the, yeah, it is a tough one. It's gonna for since he's still out there, and and yeah. you're trying to trying to you know trying to get your trying to get your life together. That is going to be a big issue for you to make sure that that doesn't drag you back. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's going to be a big trigger for you. And ultimately, this is going to sound kind of raw, so I apologize in advance. Ultimately, it's about you. Okay. I know that's selfish, but it's got to be about you. And when you're right, when when you've got this recovery thing down packed, okay, and you're in a position where you can feed him some knowledge, maybe point him in the right direction, and then it'll be then it'll be up to him. I mean, believe it or not, it's up to him right now, but you'll be in a position where you can you can drop some knowledge, offer some advice, and if he's open to it, he'll be open to it. If he's not, he's not. But you're going to have to deal with that guilt. Are you talking about it? Yeah. Talk about it every time. Come okay. From my past. Okay. The last one that went to, uh, uh, we left to our church at 12 o'clock and we came back home. At six something, and he was in the garage. The whole started from twelve o'clock in the morning. My sister sent a video to my other sister that I was with at the time of him talking to himself. And uh, this was like twelve o'clock, and we came home at six o'clock. He was, we didn't know it was the the garage open and dark and everything. And we come up, and then the car lights just shine in the garage, and he was still sitting in the same spot. So he's he's struggling. He's struggling right now. And I'm trying to talk to sharing, sharing, but how how do you feel? How do you feel after you talk about it and share about it? Feels better, and I always utilize when I talk about it to my peers right now. But uh, when I go to the real life and dealing with it is is always a never. Uh, I don't know how to say it, but it's it gets better. I believe that for a fact. Good. Not how it used to be. My first month. <sighs> trying to get my life together, like it's better now. It doesn't feel as bad as it how it was. Really good where I am right now. Good, but uh, you know, it gets better and better. Good. So, well, um, Joe, I want you to uh, 
Keep us on your speed dial and make sure you call us to keep us updated. Keep sharing about it. Keep talking about it. Um, that's all you can do. I mean, you you can't put him in a headlock and make him do make him do something. But I tell you what you can do. You can be the best role model you can possibly be for him. So make sure you take care of yourself, take care of your business, and just be the best role model you can be right now. It's about you right now. Okay. Okay, sir? All right. All right, Joe. Make sure you call us back next week, okay? Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Bye. Boy, that's a deep one. Family, man. Especially when you're, like he said, you know, when you're in that position where you happen to be the avenue to entry into this world, Mm -hmm. uh, and then you're getting yourself out of it, it's hard enough to cope with all, you know, your own demons, let alone thinking about someone in your family who's struggling with it now, Mm -hmm. and you feel to blame. That is tough. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's move to... Uh, Rick from San Mateo. Rick, welcome to Roach on Recovery. Good evening. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm just. I, my question tonight is uh, dealing with uh, the guilt that I have about entering back into uh, another treatment episode after having almost five years clean, and uh, you know, the proverbial kick in the pants about here I am again. Um, the negative consequences were far more greater, but just having to deal with uh, the reoccurring episode and and getting to truly surrendering myself back into the swing of this and and keeping my mind open to new ideas, uh, because it's almost a situation where it's like to know too much is almost <clears throat> a damnation to myself. And um, I, so I guess my advice is on that. The advice I could get would 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 be of help. On the uh, the guilt you feel about uh, relapsing and and, and and entering recovery again, um, I have one piece of advice for that. You ready? Mm-hmm. You get 24 to 48 hours to feel bad about it, and that's it. <laughs> After yeah. that, it's about putting your head down and put and 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 getting back into, okay, what is it that I missed? Mm-hmm. What did I not get during my last recovery process? Mm-hmm. I certainly don't want on. you wasting, I do not want you wasting time feeling sorry for yourself, feeling bad about yourself because you've relapsed and you got to get back, you know, get back on track in this recovery thing. People relapse. It just happens. Yeah. What's more important is what they do afterwards. Mm-hmm. Do they just let it go and give up? Mm-hmm. Or do they do what you've done? And say, you know what? I got to, no pun intended, I got to arrest this thing and mm-hmm. get back on the track that I was on and keep pushing ahead forward. So I don't yeah. give people a long time to feel sorry for themselves when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Depending on the circumstances, I might give you 48 hours. Usually I got a 24-hour rule. <laughs> I guess that's right. I guess that's the right, uh, yeah. 
put the pity part to, you know, put it to rest. Put it to rest, and let's get down to business. Let's get let's get back to work. Okay, what is it I need to focus on? What did I miss? What what you know? You you start to replay your the previous process over, and to see you know where where did it start going sideways on me, and why. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You kind of analyze that a little bit, with, you know, with by yourself and with help, you know, mm-hmm. and try and fix, correct whatever it is that caused that decision making process to go sideways. Yeah. Because remember, relapse is not an accident. Mm-hmm. It's a process. It's a process that ends in a decision. Mm-hmm. So. We gotta trace that process back so we can find out. Okay, where did I go wrong? Because if you yeah. don't do that, you're gonna repeat the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, and I don't want to do that. Right. And for most people, not all, most people who experience a relapse or or repeated relapse, it's the same thing that is causing it. The same trigger yeah. or the, the same step they're they're tripping on, etc. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. So when you call back, the first thing you're going to tell us is, okay, I'm done with the pity party. (laughs) And then you're going to let us know how you're doing. Okay, You bet. You bet. Thank you. All right. right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good call. Okay. (laughs) Good call. That's all right. Some people want to spend a little more time in the pity uh, party than others, but... I I got a firm and hard rule. I'm sorry. (laughs) 48 tops, huh? Well, that's maximum, and that's only under special circumstances. Okay. All um, right. We got time for a quick break? Yeah, we can take a quick break. Uh, we see we've got some of you on hold. We will get to you on the other side, so please be patient with us. Thank you. 
welcome back to Roach on Recovery. We're going to get right back to our calls as we're winding down our recovery support time for this show. Let's go to Leo from San Francisco 49er land. Hey, Leo, how are you doing? Hey, hey I'm doing fine. Uh, I've been on here once before. And, yes, uh, I remember I yeah, I explained to you that uh, my anger and how I, you know, I feel scared and and and. But um, today, you know, I'm taking charge of my life, and uh, you know, I'm realizing that uh, my brain shapes my thoughts, my feelings, and my actions. And uh, you know, this crucial world sometimes <laughs> can really, you know, uh, some some people can really just, you know, get me there, and I I bite, and I just don't want to bite. I want, I really want to get it. You know what I mean? Um, do you understand? You got yeah. You got a pair of scissors. I'm sorry. Do you have a pair of scissors? <laughs> a pair of scissors. Uh, I know. Yeah, I know sure it do. sounds crazy. Okay. Well. Okay. If you do have them, or if you don't, pick up a pair yeah. of scissors from somewhere, okay. store, dollar store, anywhere. Yeah. And I want you to cut the puppet strings. You know? <laughs> Stop okay. letting people control you and, ha- and have yeah. that kind of power over you. I've heard that before. I've heard that before. Yeah. And especially when if someone with ill intent and they know that they can push your buttons and that you mm. and that they can get you to respond for like their own family. personal entertainment, they'll do that. It's like my family is, but but I'm I'm learning. You know, I'm learning I, to not take it so personal. And and sometimes out in the real world, you know, it's like. Ooh, you know, especially when you're driving and then somebody just crosses you and you're in your car, but you're by yourself. And I'm, you know, cussing. And then I whoa, 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 wait a minute, let me rewind myself. You know, but luckily I'm by myself, you know. And uh, I guess yeah. I'm just expressing myself, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's sometimes it gets, I get there and I don't want to, you know. So, I, I, you know, I, I've been listening hearing. to your... Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, uh, I've been listening to your radio station, and I I've hear a lot of you know uh, good advice, and, and I thought I'd give you another call. And uh, you know, so well, maybe well, we we appreciate that. that. We appreciate that, and I, and I remember when you called before, and you were talking about the anger, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. just from the things you said, and when you and when you first started talking, I, I can tell that you you you've, you've come a decent ways because just the words you're using coming out of your mouth. So, yeah. Keep, keep on, keep on doing it. Keep those scissors handy, you know, so you can cut cut the puppet strings in case you notice someone has them on you, and uh, keep working it. Okay, that's that's yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, hey, I, I know it's gonna uh, at ease sometime, but mm-hmm. you know, there's 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 been some, <laughs> yeah. So I just gotta keep going. Yeah. Uh, I thought maybe okay, you know, I thought maybe something something good, you know. Around the corner, may have just deleted, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a work. It's a work. It's a work in progress. Yeah, it's a work in right. progress. Okay. And you're going to be tested. You're going to be tested. Yeah. So, so far you're passing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Pat yourself on the back. Don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Okay, sir. Well, thank you again. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right, Leo. All right. Thank yeah, you. Good night. Yes. You too. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. There's an anger. 
Another biggie. Cropping up again. Mm-hmm. He does sound, uh, I do remember him calling in a couple of weeks back, and sounds like he's managing it pretty well. Yeah, you could tell by what he said when he first when he first came on. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right, let's go to Kim in Half Moon Bay. Hello, this is Kimberly. Hi, Kim. Hi. My question for um, to you is, recovery, a lifetime programming process, Meaning, mean that I would be working the 12 steps uh, the rest of my life and do service work and meetings. Um, is that how recovery works for uh, committing yourself for life? Are, are you are you using the 12 steps? Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm I'm um, I'm using the 12 steps, but um, it. it I have not really worked them. I read a lot mm-hmm. of them, and okay. I feel that yeah, I well, feel that well. maybe integrating the twelve step program into my program now would make me um, learn a little bit more about what a twelve step program is. Well, not only that, it'll, it'll it'll help support you in your recovery. So, to answer your initial question about whether or not it's a lifetime process for that's an individual question so i can't say for everybody that they have to work their 12 steps for the rest of their lives some people do mm-hmm. some people don't um, okay but if you believe and it's important to you and it's something you want to do and you feel it's and you need to do mm-hmm. then that's what you do okay okay, okay. and as far as um staying in service and and going to meetings um is that that's another pretty big criteria that's all part too, of right? it that's all part okay. of it, but again, that's an individual okay. thing, but that's okay. all part of it yes okay okay yeah, thank you for your your answers and all right happy holidays you too thank you Kim good way thank you so we gotta be talking about the um 12 steps. I think you and I talked off air about there's a lot of stuff going on uh, in, in the 12-step realm. Right. Not only stuff we talked about last week, but uh, well, I think we're up against the clock, sir. We are. We are up against it. Um, but, you know, I'd like to let everybody know who has been listening that we are going to retouch on the show topic next week. We've also got a nice fresh topic for all of you. So we look forward to you guys tuning in next week. That's our show for this evening. Thank you for listening. Be sure to listen to our next broadcast Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. Like us, friend us, and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash OCG Work CA and on Twitter at OCG Work CA. You can listen to podcasts of all our shows on iTunes under Roach on Recovery or on our Blog Talk Radio homepage. This has been a presentation of OCG Recovery Radio. Don't you know, don't you know, if you change, things will go your way, your whole
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.